everyone, welcome to mini episode 26 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? I realised last week that when I, when we did this, I gave the wrong episode number, so I confused myself when I was editing it. I was like, oh god, this is last week's episode, so I got it all wrong. Okay. Before we start our stories this week, of which I have three. Ooh. We have some new merch on our website, so the lovely Alan has created not only us as Ghostbusters. Which is very cool. But he has also created an amazing caricature of Dan. Yep. And some new Tiny Bims merch. So she now has five merch lines. Where she is, what's the character? Flirkin. She is Flirkin from... Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. I mean, I... She's basically she's a ten- flirkin from Captain. Marvel. She's a flirkin from Captain Marvel. She's basically tentacly and gorgeous. So, would you like some stories this week? Well, I can tell you that we've got three gorgeous listener stories, mm. and our first story comes from Giselle. Are you ready? Hi. So I'm at a sleepover at my friend Steph's house. It's only Steph, Felicia, me, and our friend Brian. Steph and Felicia had been childhood friends. They both met Brian in middle school, and now we were all friends in high school. This is important information for later. We'd been watching scary movies all night, and were now telling scary stories. It was I who finally suggested we make and play with a Ouija board. I tried to use it a couple of times before on my own, but never got any results. I chalked it all up to being fake. So anyway, we all agreed to make one out of a piece of paper. Felicia and I were probably the biggest sceptics, while Brian and Steph were freaking out. We used a CD as a planchette and finally placed all of our hands on it. We started off by saying, Ouija, Ouija, Ouija. Is anybody there? It moves to yes. Brian and Steph are screaming. I'm just over here like, right, who's fucking around? Somebody's moving it. We ask it who it is and it just kind of moves around the board. So we finally decide to take it in turns doing it and closing our eyes. I went first. Ouija, 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 is there anybody there? To everyone's surprise, it moves to yes. Everyone is blaming me for faking it. Until I ask its name, and again, nothing. Brian's turn is next. Same results, and then again with Steph, same results. Finally, Felicia says, You know what, you're all making this up, or you're doing it subconsciously, or whatever's happening. I'm going to blind myself, close my eyes, and look away. So she did. She goes, Ouija, Ouija, Ouija. Is there anybody there? It moves dead centre on the yes. We're all squirming. And Felicia's kind of freaking out at this point as well. Ask it what its name is, I said. Eerily, the planchette swiftly spells out. C-I-N-D-Y. Steph's eyes immediately start tearing up, and I'm just staring in awe, confused. It's so accurately spelt out a name 
and Felicia definitely was not looking at all. Felicia sounded freaked, still wearing a blindfold, looking the other way, says, Guys, what is it? You're all kind of scaring me. Steph asks, Ask it how old it was when it died. The planchette moves again. Four. Three. Stephanie starts crying. She says, Felicia, it's your mom. Felicia's mom had passed away from breast cancer when she was 43 and Felicia was only seven years old. She quickly took her blindfold off and we all had a moment together. Felicia asked it a couple of more questions so we ended the session. Needless to say, I never played one again. It was much too real after that. Somebody asked in the Facebook group this week whether anyone had ever had a positive experience with a Ouija board. And while that experience is obviously incredibly frightening, Hmm. it's still quite positive though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I still don't think I'd want to use one. No, I, I don't think I would. I mean, I think... We've established this week that when you inevitably die in the zombie apocalypse, because I sacrifice you... Yep. You'll die shortly after from falling over, but... Uh, listen, okay. <laughs> yes, I'll be the person who falls over, but I'll last a little bit longer to be able to make a Ouija board. Yep. And try and get you to come back and answer questions. About what? I don't know. Will I survive the zombie apocalypse? No. <laughs> you bitch. I'll just, I'll just spell out, did you really need to ask? <laughs> We've been uh, re-watching The Walking Dead, so yeah. hence the zombie obsession this week. So what are your thoughts? I didn't think you could just make a Ouija board, but I guess you can. Yeah. Because that seemed to work, didn't it? I think I've also understood that you could just make one out of paper or whatever you wanted to make one from. It makes it a bit more schoolyard, doesn't it? Yeah. I wonder, you, if, I wonder if Blue Peter ever did an episode where they... Where you get a Blue Peter badge for making your Ouija, Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... I, it's like... It's spooky. It's No, spooky's not even the right word. It's kind of unsettling, but it's it's... It's kind of positive, I guess, because that may have actually been some much needed closure for Felicia, I guess. So Yeah, and especially when young children lose mm. their parents, there's a lot of not really processing it at the time and only really processing it later, I guess. Wasn't it also Felicia was one of the ones at the start that was not, was a bit sceptical about it? Uh, yes, she was. Yeah, which makes it even a bit more bit more resonant. And she it? was the one that was like, right, I'm, I'm getting a blindfold... I'm going to turn my head, I'm going to close my eyes. Yeah, because you're all making it up. (laughs) Yeah, and I would be the same. I'd be like, all you bitches moving this planchette. Yeah. Okay. Would you like another story? No, I'm good. Let's send it now. The second story comes from Raina. Let me take you back a couple of years. I was with my boyfriend for six years. And I thought he was the one. He was a great guy. Or so I was led to believe. There was something about him that was just a little bit fishy. But ignoring the red flags, I stayed with him. He got sick in 2015. He was diagnosed with stomach cancer. He went through chemo and I believe he tried to give it his all. But in the end he lost his battle. By the time he passed away, we were no longer together. I was not by his side. And the way I found out about his death 
was through a GoFundMe link. Through there, I found out the truth about this person. He was married and had a family. Everything made sense and I began to piece everything together. He took a secret to the grave, never giving me any explanation or closure. After his death was when weird things started to happen. Two days after his passing, I went to my local church and I remember it was pouring. I was devastated and I sat there alone crying. Then the church lights went off twice. Freaked me out a bit. I would have recurring dreams about my ex almost every night. I would wake up at 3am and felt like someone was there watching me several times. I began to sleep with the lights on. Then one night my mother was sleeping in the living room and felt a breeze like somebody passing by. She thought it was my dad and she got up to see but my dad was sound asleep. I would see somebody walking past my living room window and I thought it was my dad or my brother coming around the house. We have a sliding glass door on the side but no one would come around. The last dream I had with him he was in my room and telling me to go with him that he loved me and he was caressing my face. I desperately tried to wake up from the dream but I couldn't. I told him I wasn't going anywhere with him because he was a liar. When I finally woke up I began to cry because it felt so real to me. He was there and I was scared. My mom believes he was trying to take me with him into the world of the dead. After that dream or sleep paralysis or whatever it was I haven't felt like that or had dreams with him in them. I forgave him and I've moved on at my life and I'm much happier. That's I don't like the idea of sitting in a church on your own and the lights going off. No, that would be very scary, wouldn't Although it? Although a lot of church buildings have lights on, not, not in the case of this story, that's not me trying to disprove this story, I'm just saying in general, there are lots of church buildings that have timers on the lights, so it wouldn't be that scary, but it would freak me out. Can I just say as well, before we go any further, that Raina, girl, I am so sorry you had to go through that. Mm. Like, I know by the time he passed away, he was your ex. That still does not take away from the grief that you feel because you spent a huge proportion of your life loving that person. And then to find out that they weren't who you thought they were, that must have been awful. And to find out they died secondhand as well. Oh, awful. So I mean, not the... But the thing is, because he had a double life, no one would think, oh, we have to tell his secret girlfriend now. No. You know, like that is heartbreaking yeah so i'm really sorry you had to go through that but at least it sounds like you've gotten closure and you're 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 moving on which is positive and not moving into the land of the dead with him yeah don't go there don't Mm, don't do that don't do it it's weird isn't it like dreams i I still think they're significant you know i think we have stupid dreams but i do think that there are a lot of significant dreams would you like one more story yeah just one last thing about that i think it's good also that it kind of led to forgiveness i guess on rainer's behalf in that she was able to forgive him which is not necessarily important but probably gave a bit of closure and good feelings to her and probably in this context when you literally can't ever address it with him no you know if she had found out while they were together she could at least get that anger out or shout at him or you know burn his shirts or whatever people do when they break up you know there's there's a there's a physical space for her to feel those feelings, but actually find out after somebody's gone yep. that they weren't the person that you thought they were. Where does all that go? Yeah, 
and you kind of have to deal with it on your own as well don't you so finding a bit of closure within the dreams and him trying to take her to the land of the dead it's probably good story number three Mm -hmm. is an anonymous story and this story comes with a picture what which i sent to er to you earlier no hang on a second what i said this story comes with a picture Uh oh so (laughs) you need to get your phone out and i'll tell you when to look at the picture Mm -hmm. okay it all started years ago when i was about 12 years old I grew up on the Sussex coast in a usual house with my mom and my younger sister as my parents had been divorced since I was about three. I had a relatively normal childhood, I would say. I had a good time in school, good group of friends, had lots of fun like every other child, I guess. I can remember the first time it happened in immense detail as the event stayed with me in my head for such a long time. I had it etched into my thoughts especially the intense feeling that I was left with after. The version I remember started the same as every other 12-year-old boy, being sent up to bed by my mum at about 8 o'clock. After falling asleep, I woke up feeling peculiar. It was the middle of the night and really dark in my room, but with some light coming through the edges of the curtains, as there was a street light outside. I'd heard my bedroom door open with a creak. Standard scary film noise, I know. (laughs) Which was what had woken me. When I opened my eyes, I was facing the wall and my bedroom door was directly behind me. I heard a heavy footstep from my bedroom doorway. Then another. Then another. Getting louder as they moved closer. I was too scared to move. I still remember the feeling vividly now, sick in my stomach and too petrified to move or even attempt to close my eyes as I stared at the wall. I could smell smoke in the room as if whoever was walking towards me had lit a cigarette. The footsteps came to a halt next to my bed. Then there was silence. But I knew somebody was there and I still didn't move. The duvet was wrapped tight around me while I was lying there rigid with fear. I'm genuinely surprised I didn't wet myself, to be honest. I then felt a warmth on my right side, just above my hip, which turned into a warm pressure with a little weight as it grew. It was as though a hand had been placed there, just resting on my side and the warmth of the skin was coming through the duvet. The smell of the cigarette smoke was so strong. I don't know how, but I knew it wasn't my mum or anybody that should have been in the house. The footsteps were different to the noise of any of my family members, heavier as if it were a big man. I can't remember what was going through my head exactly, as it was years ago, but in that moment, I knew... Whatever it was, standing next to my bed with a hand on my side, wasn't my mum or even somebody I knew. Somehow, I was brave enough to eventually peek my eyes around the duvet, probably hoping to see my mum there. But there was nothing. In that precise moment, the hand I felt placed on my side disappeared, 
and nobody was in the room. I lay there in fear for ages until I pulled the duvet up over my head and held my eyes tightly shut and then I must have drifted off back to sleep at some point. From time to time, I would wake up during the night and smell smoke in my room, but always pull the duvet up over my head and curl up in a ball and force myself back to sleep, however long it took, and I would never look around the room. So I'd never seen anything, but I knew from time to time there was somebody coming into my room. I was always aware that this occasionally happened, but I never told anybody. Not my mum, my sister, my friends, nobody. I think I felt like no one would believe me. And I'd lose all my street cred, as everyone would think I was bizarre. It's not really a story you want to share with your friends, who I probably thought at the time would cast me from the group. When I was 17 or 18, I'd moved in with my dad and my stepmom into a house they had just built. Still getting on with life, I was doing pretty well and was having a ball. Out with my friends as much as possible, studying, working part-time to get some extra cash. By this point, the noises and the smell of smoke were a faint memory, and day to day, I never thought about it. It must have been a few weeks after we'd moved into the house. Everything was brand new. Floors, walls, bathrooms, kitchen, everything. The house felt so spacious and comfortable, and we all loved being there. My new bedroom wasn't the biggest, but there was enough space for a double bed, a big unit with a TV on it and a few fitted wardrobes. The windows were triple glazed and I had a blackout blind so it was definitely quiet and black in my room during the night. One night I had drifted off to sleep, probably after a day at college and then an evening spent working in the local supermarket. Just as I drifted off, something made me jump and my eyes opened abruptly as I inhaled a big breath. In the corner of the room ahead of me, I could see a figure of a man standing. Over six foot. Dark, with a big coat and a distinctive hat on his head. No, 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 no. I couldn't see a face, but I could clearly see the outline as there was a little light coming from under the bedroom door, which meant my dad or stepmother was still up and they still had the landing light on. I leaned up on my elbow and said, Dad? From the dark outline around the head of the figure, a big smile slowly emerged, menacingly staring at me. I froze in horror. It felt as though we were at a standoff for minutes, but it was probably only two or three seconds before my bedroom door opened slightly. And my dad popped his head in, going, yeah? The figure was gone. My head looked around the room, but nothing. I didn't acknowledge what had just happened, and immediately looked at him and said, Oh, sorry, I just wondered if you were awake. And we exchanged goodnights, and he shut the door. I frantically rushed down under the duvet, pulling it over my head, and thought to myself, That's him. That's that's what I used to hear in my old room. I just know it is. Strange as it sounds, I pretended it never happened, choosing to ignore the event and carry on as normal. 
Obviously, I thought about it and scared myself imagining the figure, but did my best to be as normal as possible. Every night, I would get into bed and stare in the opposite direction, purposefully not looking in case I saw it. From time to time, I began to experience the smell of smoke around the house. Nobody in the house was a smoker, but I knew I could smell it. Even accusing my dad at one point of burning food and stinking out the house, but he denied it. Each time, I would get a sick feeling in my stomach. Sometimes it would be in the middle of the day, the mornings, the evenings, during the night. It was as if it was, it was following me, but always in the house. I felt like I was being stalked by a smell. I was now 19. My dad's younger brother lived not far from us in the town. He had been a bit of a Jack the Lad growing up, but now worked hard as an electrician, and had grown up a lot, but still enjoyed a good night out with the lads, a pretty rounded normal bloke. He had had a baby with his new wife, so I was happy I had a new cousin. We went around a few times as a family to see the new baby and had pictures taken with him. Having a barbecue on one occasion, it was becoming a regular thing, which was natural as we were all keen to spend time with the baby. One time I went round to see them. My uncle was there, but my auntie had gone out for a walk with my cousin in the pram. My uncle began to tell me that they had bought a new digital camera and had been trying it out that morning, but there had been something strange on the screen after they looked back at the photos. He leaned in with the camera and I took it from his hands, turning it on. Oh my. The screen lit up, showing the last photo that had been taken. It was one of my auntie sitting on the sofa with baby in hand. My stomach twisted and the sick feeling came back as I noticed something else in the photo. A clear digital image of a dark figured man standing behind the sofa looking down on my auntie and the baby. I remember trying not to look startled. By this point I had had a few years of pretending to act normal when experiencing something as if pretending there was nothing strange about it. I explained that it could have been a shadow, from the big light being on in the middle of the room. But he said it wasn't on, and there was nothing that could have made a shadow there. I could see it as clear as day. The same shaped figure I had seen in my bedroom. No distinguishable features on the face, just mainly the outline of the hat. Go on, keep looking, my uncle said. So I pressed left or right, looking for the next photo. There were then four other photos of different places around the room where the figure can be seen in a different position and in different places around the room. Sometimes in full figure, sometimes only half as standing behind the sofa. One in particular I remember was of the staircase and the figure was standing halfway up the stairs. I told him how peculiar it was, but it must be shadows. He was as baffled as I was, but I knew I'd seen it before. It was exactly the same as what I'd seen. I felt petrified inside and wanted to leave the house as soon as I could without being obvious. Moving on about another year, I was still experiencing the smell of smoke every so often in my dad's house, but never addressing it to anybody. It kind of became a strange normality. 
I didn't have any attached emotion to it anymore. It was just an occasional smell that nobody else seemed to notice. As a person, I'm particularly stubborn and determined. I think I'd managed to convince myself that it was all in my head, and I'd somehow managed to push the memory of the photos my uncle had shown me on his camera to the back of my mind. One night, I was in bed again. Usual situation by this point. I calmly woke up from a sleep and opened my eyes. Luckily, I was facing the direction of the wall and not of the doorway. The warm pressure feeling of a hand on me was back, but in a different place. My left arm was curled around my body and my hand was resting on my right shoulder. I could feel my hand being held by another hand. (laughs) It felt warm and weirdly relaxed, just like a loved one holding onto your hand. It felt as though it was just resting on top of it. My room smelt of intense smoke once again. I just knew if I turned around, I would find him standing or sitting there next to me. I couldn't look. I quickly pulled my arm under the duvet and lay there motionless under the covers. I don't think I slept the rest of the night. I'm now 22, in a relationship with a great guy who's nine years older than me. Whenever he stayed around for the night, he, after a while, started telling me that he felt uncomfortable in my bedroom and wasn't very wasn't able to sleep very well, so more than likely I would end up staying at his. He told me one day that he was leaving his job in Brighton and had taken a job in Shropshire. He asked me to move up there with him and make a new start for ourselves, and I thought, well, why not give it a go? Naturally, I hadn't ever told him about the smell and the figure, and I hadn't actually told anybody. I was too worried about what people would think. Plus, if I spoke about it, it would feel like it really happened. Up until this point, I was maybe trying to pass it all off as dreams. We travel up to Shropshire one weekend to look at the rental house in preparation for the upcoming move. After seeing a few, we found one that we fell in love with. A huge chalet-style house, very rural with beautiful views. The property had character, but a modern interior, suited us down to the ground. Luckily they accepted our application and a move-in date was set. My partner had moved up furniture into the house before I was able, as I still had a few extra days notice to fulfil in my job before I could move. He was getting the house ready for my arrival, organising furniture, putting pictures up, the usual thing. Then the day arrived that I was moving up. After a farewell from my family, I got into the packed-to-the-roof car and set on my way. It was 5am and halfway through November, cold and dark. I had been driving for an hour, with about four hours left to go. Now 6am I had just pulled onto the motorway and my phone started ringing. It was my partner and I thought, why is he calling me at this time of the morning? He loves his sleep. Maybe he just woke up and wanted to check I was okay driving. So I answered. And before I could say anything I could hear him breathing heavily. He was erratically asking me where I was and I explained. He also sounded like he was driving. I just, I had to leave the house. There was somebody upstairs. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I sort of laughed and said, well, what do you mean? He said he had been lying in the bed, semi-woken and noticed what looked like the upstairs landing light on. 
he could see the light coming through the underneath of the door. The master bedroom was downstairs and there was two spare bedrooms upstairs. The staircase went up just next to the master bedroom door and he said he hadn't been up there last night and the light was never turned on. He explained that he stood up from the bed, walked over to the door in the darkness, opened the door and peeked his head around to look up the stairs to figure out why the light had come on. He was now shouting. He said that he saw a man standing at the top of the stairs, smiling. He ran in boxers past the staircase, grabbed the car keys, burst out the front door straight into the car, never looking back once to see if the man was chasing him out the door. In the pitch black, he drove out from the long driveway and began driving along the country lanes from the house. I couldn't believe what I was hearing and yet again felt sick to my stomach. Was I being robbed in the house I hadn't even arrived at yet? Or was the figure in that house too? I couldn't believe it. He refused to call the police. I don't really know why. I reassured him down the phone as I was driving and he said he was going to go back to the house once it was light. We stayed on the phone as we were both driving. The sun came up about an hour later and he returned to the house. Staying on the phone to me the whole time, he pulled into the driveway, front door wide open and wrapped in a jacket that was lying on his back seat. I could hear him heavy breathing. He was very nervous, but trying to sound confident at the same time. He's a doctor and very matter of fact. I know he wouldn't have thought about being something paranormal or supernatural, only that there was a man in the house. He went into the house, looking around the rooms one by one. Grabbing a knife from the kitchen, he went upstairs. Nothing. The house was empty. I arrived a few hours later, to what should have been a happy, exciting moment, but I felt worried about what had happened. We stood in the hallway and I said, Do you feel safe here? Do you want to leave? But he said that he was probably just tired, not to think about it, it was probably just a figment of his imagination. I know what it was, but I never told him. We were very happy in that house. But after a year, my partner said he wanted to move, so we found another house and moved in. It was a brand new, modern house and very warm and cosy, completely different to what we had before. One day, I came home from work and could smell smoke as soon as I walked through the door. It was strong as if there was a fire lit, but I couldn't see any smoke. I ran around the house, but nothing. I opened all the windows and the smell slowly disappeared. I just presumed there was something wrong with the underfloor heating or the boiler. I didn't even think about all the experiences of the smell I'd had before. It was different, stronger, more real. A while after, my partner returned from work. I'd closed the windows by now, He came in and straight away asked me if I'd been smoking in the house. He said he could still smell smoke. I obviously said no, and I couldn't actually smell it anymore. He said that he had smelt it before on odd occasions, but had never mentioned it as it always came and went, never lingered for too long. That evening we got into bed. We turned off the bed lamps and he kissed me goodnight. Rolling over to face the other way I started drifting off. He started snoring, so I had to try a little harder to sleep through it. 
Then the snoring stopped and I thought that now I'd be able to sleep. I felt him shuffle around and he put his hand on mine and I smiled. I opened my eyes and there it was. He was back and hunched in front of me. The tall black figure, his hand on top of mine, smiling down at me. I couldn't see a face, just the outline and a smile of dirty white teeth. I didn't stay silent this time. I had back up. I screamed as loudly as possible and my partner jumped up saying, Oh, what? It had once again vanished. I was scared and shaking, but like always, I pretended I was fine and I said I had had a nightmare. He hugged me until I went to sleep. But I only pretended. There was no chance I was going to sleep. The image etched into my eyes. We moved a few times since. We moved around for his work, as he worked in football. We've been in Birmingham, Scottish Borders, Edinburgh, and about to move back down to Brighton. I smell the burning cigarette smell in the houses from time to time, but I've never seen the figure again. Seven years we've been together, and I've still never told him about the figure and the smell. I know it's around, as the smell is around sometimes, but it's been a long time since I saw it that night, and I had a feeling I won't see it again. It feels different now, but I still get the feeling I'm being watched when I go to sleep occasionally, half expecting to feel a hand being placed gently on me. But it hasn't happened. I know he's there because of the smell, but for some reason he's not showing himself. It all sounds ridiculous, and feels even more ridiculous now that I'm writing it down. But that's it. I'm sure there's more to it, and I'm sure I've missed out plenty of other things that have happened. So before you make any comments, I want you to look at the picture that I sent you earlier. Okay. And describe to the listeners what you are seeing. So this is a picture. Oh my word. This is a picture of this person and his auntie and his nephew. I I cannot post this online because I'm not down with posting pictures of other people's children. And this person has asked to remain anonymous. So what are you seeing? Well, there's his nephew is in, in the forefront. But obviously we're looking at the back of his head. And where he's looking, there is a blackness. It's just a dark, dark figure wearing a hat. But it is, it's like, you know the way sometimes you see these images and you're like, that's a blob or that's a shadow or that's whatever. That is a man in a hat standing in front of their stairs. Because the light is right above it as well. So there's literally nothing to be. And it's definitely like, it's, it's, it's a blacker than black mass. Like it is. When I saw the picture, I was like, (laughs) fuck off. Well, thanks for sharing. And ordinarily, if you have a shadow in a picture, like, it rests against the background. It doesn't stand in front of the stairs, blocking the stairs. Like, that is trauma. That story is horrific. Get out. We have not had a man in a hat in a very long time. Turns out he's back. Okay? So thank you, Anonymous, for reintroducing the man in the hat into our world. I can't even believe it. I can't even believe that photo. That story was bad enough as it is without... Without photographic evidence. Like literal photographic evidence. Cigarette smoke is so distinct as well, isn't it? It's not like something you can just confuse for something else. Like, I know when you've had a cigarette. Yeah, definitely. And if I smoked a cigarette inside, no matter what room it was in, you'd immediately be like... 
you've smoked a cigarette inside. And it smells really different to like fire smoke. Yes, Or like does. burnt dinner smoke. It's distinctive. Oh, and it's, it's, it's just the one. The thing I really don't like about this is I can't handle this at the best of times, right? But you know, if they're keeping a distance and they're just stalking you, that's one thing. What's with the touching? Oh, imagine opening your eyes though and seeing him leaning over you. But he's just smiling. been touching him since he was twelve. Like, I might want to rephrase that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I mean it's been. I don't know how to rephrase that. No, I actually don't know how to rephrase it either. Because that's what it has been doing. Yeah, that's just horrible i'm so not down with that story at all in any way shape or form and why has he got a smile i don't need to see his teeth like oh god it's just very dark isn't it like well thank you for traumatizing me again over the hat man is it the same hat man though so well, this is the thing, isn't it? Is it is there one hat man or is there one banshee or are there numerous knocking around? Or is it Who just knows? when a, a man of a certain age dies, they just have to be wearing a hat when they come back? Yeah, they go to the afterlife and the gatekeeper of the afterlife is like, over 60, hat it is. Can we get another over 60s hat, please? Yep. Maybe that's what happens. Yeah, or maybe it's a very precise age because we're talking about like millions of people dying, right? Billions of people dying. Yeah. So maybe it's like... Everybody that dies, it's 56 and a quarter when they die. That's still going to be loads of people, aren't it? Yeah, but Are it's, there that many hats in the afterlife? That's the question. Well, we already I mean, know they have a limited wardrobe. But it's it's less people than it would be if you said everybody over 60. Loads of men over 60 die. Very true. Yeah. Very true. If you Ugh. enjoyed this week's episode and you would like to have a look at some new merchandise, I would strongly recommend that you go onto our website, which is Real Life Ghost Stories Podcast dot com where you can get all of our information including access to patreon where for five dollars a month you get an extra episode a week and for two dollars a month you get the entire back catalogue of 50p movie club which is dan's other podcast i would also like to apologize if you can hear a little munching in the background because somebody is having her dinner very loudly so i'm sorry she again does not respect the podcast beam And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.